0: see the wind no but you see evidence of the wind can you feel the wind the wind has the power to send ships across an ocean the wind can be harnessed in light cities the power of the wind can carve out mountains create valleys it can reshape the entire earth wind now what about heaven can you see heaven And yet the power of heaven can bring the dead to life. The power of heaven can give hope to the hopeless. The power of heaven changes eternity. The power of heaven changes us. Heaven. Heaven well good morning church and uh, welcome back to our series called the best is yet to come and this is such an incredible series as God is challenging us as God is teaching us as God is preparing us for what is to come and I'm so excited about this series now we started the first week in this series and we said that God is writing a story in all of our lives that God is not finished with any of us yet there's still breath in our lungs for a reason and for a purpose and God is at work in your life. And God uses people like the Apostle Paul or pastors or teachers or parents or grandparents to say to you and to call out that potential into you and to say, the best is yet to come. Don't give up. Don't grow stagnant. And God calls us then to be people who speak into others' lives, to speak in our children or our grandchildren, to speak in our niece and our nephew, to speak into the people around and say, God is still at work in you. Last week, Pastor Nick did a great job talking about the correlation between belief and behavior. If we believe something, it should change the way we live. It should change our behavior. We saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where it says, For our light and momentary struggles are achieving for us an eternal reward that far outweighs them all. That should impact how we live. That should impact our lives. And today we're looking at this. Heaven. (laughs) So we talk about the best is yet to come. And so I'm so glad you're here today because I believe God has a word for all of us as we unpack the word of God found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, New Testament, right? Right after 1 Corinthians. And we're going to see God's word, I pray, come to life today. 2 Corinthians is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And he wrote to these believers and these followers of Jesus. And and yet some immorality had slipped into the church. It was a very wealthy church, a fluent church, but but a very successful church. But they had kind of gotten off track. And so Paul's writing to encourage them and he's saying, guys, listen, don't forget, the best is yet to come. God's doing a great work in your life now, but he's preparing you for something even more. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the Scripture's online with us this morning. Also, we'll put the words on the screen. So I want you to see if you're taking notes today. Point number one, write it down. We all have an eternal destiny. We all have an eternal destiny. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. No, what's he saying there? What's he talking about that if this earthly tent... That we live in is destroyed. He's talking about our bodies, right? Our bodies are gonna wear out. Our bodies are flimsy. They get wrinkles, right? And they're gonna wear out over time. This earthly tent we live in will be destroyed for all of us at some point. Uh, we will all die. But it says that God has an eternal house for us in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that. So that what is mortal, what's gonna die, what's gonna wear out will be swallowed up by life that we were created for eternity. We will go on our souls and our spirits. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Do you realize God made you for a purpose. The Bible says that you were created by him and for for him, that God has a relationship with you in mind. God is longing for you. You were created by God for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now that goes back to Second Corinthians chapter one where the apostle Paul says, God places in you his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Holy Spirit is our joy, but the Holy Spirit is also the deposit guaranteeing that there is more to this life guaranteeing that the best is still yet to come. See, as God draws you to himself and invites you into this relationship with him, when you step up that line, when you become a follower of Christ, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit is his seal of ownership. You are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are mine. But listen, you are created for eternity. This life is not all that there is. There is more to come. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now, as we talk about our heavenly dwelling today, as we kind of start to move our minds toward heaven as the Apostle Paul is doing here in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, I'll have to admit, when I was growing up, I couldn't really begin to fathom heaven. And and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about heaven. I, I was growing up, and I would lay in bed at night and think, what am I going to do for eternity? You know, I mean, like, that's a really long time, okay? I feel like I have ADD anyway, you know? I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, eternity, and then you have these ideas, like, you're going to be an angel, or you're going to play a harp. I'm like, a harp? Seriously? You know, I'm going to be on a cloud, and I'm sitting there, you know, for eternity? And I was going... I don't know about this, you know? I don't really know. I, I would have these kind of things in my mind. And it wasn't until I started studying God's word. And you start looking in the Psalms, you look in Isaiah, you look in, you know Ezekiel and Daniel, you start going in the book of Revelation, and you're like, whoa, I was so wrong. Heaven is an unbelievable place. Heaven is more glorious than I could even imagine. And the crazy part is so often we spend time studying eschatology, we study the end times, we study, you know, Premillennialism or post you know, pre-tribulation, post Jesus coming back before the rapture? You know, what's gonna happen here? You know, we, we get into all that, which is fun. But we spend very little time talking about where we're gonna spend eternity. Where we're gonna spend eternity. A couple of weeks ago we took our girls on vacation and we went down to the beach. And before we left, Lisa and I, you know, we, we pull up online and we're we're looking at where we're going. And we're showing the girls pictures. Okay, girls, here's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go to the pool. Here's what the pool looks like. You know, here's the beach. And, you know, and, and you know, of course, they're girls. So they're like, what's shopping like? You know, so we're, where can we go shopping? And, you know, and then we, I was like, oh, man, we can go kayaking and do that, you know. And there's putt-putt. Our girls love putt-putt, you know. And so we're spending time planning a week. And I thought, how ironic is it that we will spend so much time planning where we'll spend one week Versus ever stopping and thinking about where we're going to spend eternity. Because eternity goes a lot longer, right? you got a week. And then you got eternity. I mean, it's a long time. And so I think God wants us to know, hey, this is where you're going to spend eternity. And I want you to be excited about it. I want you to know what heaven is like. Now, I believe we're the first generation that hasn't really gotten excited about heaven. You know, uh, people who've come before us, they've been so pumped. But there's a country song out there that says, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven. It's just nobody wants to go now. You know? And why is that? Well, I believe because we're the first generation that kind of masks our pain and our hurt. You know, we medicate ourselves, don't we? We have more medication a day, and so we eat drugs and money and success and travel and we we medicate our pain but the fact is we live in a broken world and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and all those who've gone before us they've known this they've known what hard times are suffering and so as believers they looked forward to heaven man I can't wait for heaven and they sang songs like I'll fly away and when we all get to heaven and man they would just be excited about it and as you and I start to understand what heaven is really like something comes alive in us we're like whoa wow yes because heaven is a glorious place. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Here's what Jesus said. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Notice that word place. Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So what do we know about heaven? Well, we know it's a place. We know it's a place. It is spiritual. Yes. This tent that we live in will die, will fade away, but our spirits and our souls will go on for eternity. It is spiritual, but it is also physical. Remember when Jesus came back and he rose from the dead, praise God, right? He conquered death. He came back in his resurrected body. And and some people didn't recognize him. Jesus, you know, he's in a resurrected body, but it says that he ate. It says that he would walk through doors, you know? I mean, it was just, he was in a different body. When we die, we will be in a resurrected body. We will be in heaven, in heaven, The Bible tells us that there are streets of gold. The Bible tells us that there are walls that are beautiful and jewels. The Bible tells us it's just going to be more than we could ever imagine. Now think about this. The Bible says that there won't be any other artificial light like a sun and a moon because God is light. Imagine being in eternity in the warmth of God, just in the presence of God. That's a pretty awesome place. Wow. Wow. Here's what else we know about it. when Jesus was crucified. It says that he was crucified on the cross and there was a a, a criminal on one side and another criminal on the other side And, and they were mocking Jesus at first and then one of them looks up and goes, whoa, wait a minute. There's total darkness coming over the earth, right? There is an earthquake happening, you know, temple veil being torn in two. So Roman centurion saying, surely this is the son of God and this criminal over here goes, Jesus, I believe. You know, I believe you are the son of God. And Jesus, what did he say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So it's a place and it's paradise. Now the word paradise, you go back and you look and you study. Paradise means like a well-kept garden. You think about the Garden of Eden. You think about perfection. You think about what God has prepared for us. And he said, today, today you will be with me. Me. Let me see if I can illustrate a a little bit here today. So I'm not an artist. My wife is, so I should have had her do this because she is so much better. But here we are. We're on Earth, and we get 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years on this Earth, right? We are going to be here, and then the mortality rate today is what 100%. So I know we don't like to talk about it, but the fact of the matter is, we're all going to die. You know, it's just going to happen. It happened to everybody who's gone before us. It's gonna to happen to us at some point. We're gonna die. This earthly body is gonna wear out and we're gonna go into the grave. But where do we go from there? Jesus said, today, today you will be with me in paradise. So the Bible teaches that we, if you know Christ, and we'll talk more in just a minute about all this. Today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you go to heaven. Now I'm gonna write here, present Heaven. Because we're going to see something pretty cool that's going to unfold. So you die immediately, you go to heaven. You're there. And here we are, streets of gold, amazing, beautiful, awesome. You know, the Bible tells us that we are clothed. It talks about the martyrs. If you go in the book of Revelation and and they're clothed and they're worshiping and they're there. It's exciting and it's amazing. But that's not the end of the story, All right. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 21. Now, Revelation is an incredible book of the Bible. This is a place where God said, I want everybody to know what heaven's like. And so I'm going to take the apostle John and I'm gonna just going to pull back the curtain of heaven. I'm going to give him a little look. And then I want you, John, to go tell everybody because I want them to be excited about it. I don't want them to think that they're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp all day. So here's what John saw as he looked back. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Notice that a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Wow. Can you imagine? You see, here's what the Bible tells us. You're in the present heaven, but at some point, right? At some point, Jesus is coming back. Now there's more prophecies written about his second coming than there are even his first coming. When Jesus came the first time, he came in all of his humility. He came as a little baby. He came to pay the price for our sins. But when Jesus comes back the second time, the end times, Jesus is gonna step into all of creation and say, enough, enough pain, enough suffering, enough. And then he's gonna take Satan, cast Satan into an eternal fire, and Jesus is gonna come back to rule all. It's gonna be an incredible day. And John says in Revelation 21, there will be a new heaven, and get this, a new earth. For the old order of things has passed away, and the new has come. So here's Jesus, here's heaven coming to earth. Now imagine, imagine, imagine the earth the way God designed it to be. Imagine the earth without sin, without fall, without the things that, that make it and have a broken place. Could you even imagine? Here's what Paul Marshall, Paul Marshall, he writes this. He says, the world is our home. We are made to live here. It has been devastated by sin, but God plans to put it right. Hence, we look forward with joy to newly restored bodies, to living in newly restored heaven and earth We can love this world because it is God's and it will be healed, becoming at last what God intended from the beginning. Think about all the re-words in scripture, especially in the area of salvation. Re, making new, making right. You know, reconciliation, redemption, restoration, renewal, rebirth. All of these words. You think about all this being made Now start to imagine with me heaven. Now start to imagine with me eternity. Being in the presence of God. Being fully known and fully accepted. Can you believe that? Every thought you've ever had. Everything you've ever done. Being fully known and yet being fully loved by God. Spending eternity with Him. Can you imagine no more pain? No more suffering? No more war or threat of war? No more sin. Can you imagine like every little thing being right? Can you imagine having time to go explore? Can you imagine going to the places that you've always wanted to go and seeing these incredible waterfalls and seeing this awesome ocean? Can you imagine being in places and just seeing the glory of God? Can you imagine like our our taste buds not being dulled by sin and brokenness, but being alive? Can you imagine our sight being high def? Can you imagine just everything being the best it could be. Can you imagine perfection? Can you imagine seeing your loved ones again? Those who've gone before you, the people you miss, and having time to talk, and interact, and engage. Imagine animals, and there's not this animosity, right? Can you imagine? Do you know that work was given before the fall? Do you know that Adam and Eve had jobs to do? Do you know that in heaven, we're going to have jobs to do, we're going to have things to do? Can you imagine now being able to create and design and do things that you've always wanted to do and do things that you would do even if you didn't get paid to do? Can you imagine having the time to do that? Wow, now can you imagine worship with every tongue and every tribe coming together and celebrating the glory of God and not having to worry about what anybody else thinks or not having to worry about putting on an air or anything else, just being able to be real and be who you are and be fully redeemed and fully restored, can you imagine heaven? That's pretty exciting. That's pretty awesome. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's where we'll spend eternity. You have an eternal destiny. You are an eternal being. Here's the second thing that I want you to get today is this. Knowing our eternal destiny should impact how we live here. Look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight, right? Can you see the wind? Can you see heaven? We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now look at verse 9. So we make it our goal to please Him. What's your goal? What's your goal in life? He says we make it our goal to please Him, to please God. We make it our goal. You are created for a relationship with God. That's why he made you. All things were created by him and for him. He created you. We make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So here's what the Bible teaches. Bible talks about judgment. Yes, it's gonna happen. Now for believers, there's two judgments. There's two judgments. The first is gonna happen when we die. When all of us die at some point, We are going to stand before God immediately. Today, you'll be with me in paradise, right? Immediately, we are going to stand before God. Every person who's ever lived, there comes a time where you stand before the Lord. And here's the question God's going to ask every one of us. It's this. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? What did you do? Did you accept, did you believe, did you follow, or did you reject and say, no way, forget it, this is my life, I'm gonna do it the way I want it to. You to. Know, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And we're all gonna have to give an answer. There's gonna be a judgment based on that question. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so we know that we're gonna stand before him one day. And there's going to be this judgment that happens. Now the Bible talks about a second judgment that's going to happen, and here's the second judgment. I believe it's going. All believers here, right? When Christ comes back and steps into this world, when He stops, right, all of eternity, He says, "No more pain, no more suffering." Satan, you're done. You're out. Game over. And when Jesus comes back, this is where we stand before God, and before we come into the new earth, new heaven and new earth. Every one of us is gonna come and give account to God for how we lived in the 70, 80, 90, or 100 years that we have on this earth. And here's the question God's gonna ask every one of us. What did you do with what you were given? What did you do with what you were given? What did you do in these 70, 80, 90, 100 years on earth with what you were given? Did you use it just for yourself? Did you use it just to bring glory to you? Did you use it just to further your own agenda? Or God's saying that you use it for my name, for my glory. There's three things that are eternal. God, God's word, and people. That you invest in things that are going to last. Then the Bible teaches that we're going to receive crowns. You know, you go in the book of Revelation, and people are going to receive crowns based on what you do. So here we all come down to the new heaven and new earth. And I believe as we stand before God, God's going to place crowns on our heads based on what we've done. Now here's the cool part. I don't think we're going to be walking around on the new earth going, oh, wow, check them out, man. They got like 20 crowns. I got my little crown, you know. I mean, I just—I believe as soon as we receive the crowns, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn around and we're just going to place them right back at the feet of Jesus. All glory to you. All glory to you. We're not going to live on this earth. There's not going to be jealousy. There's not going to be animosity. We're going to be fully known, fully accepted. It's going to be perfect. But we're going to turn around and just give it right back to Jesus. We're going to stand before him. But there will be two judgments that will happen. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this. He said, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's pretty powerful, right? Where your treasures, those are the words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? Where are we investing? I love C.S. Lewis, and here's what C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, praise God, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Wow. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. So, where's your aim? <laughs> Where are you investing? Your time, your resources, your energy. Aim at heaven, and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. Here's the third point, it's this. God calls us to share the message of eternity with others. God calls us to share the message of eternity with others. Look at verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Now, to fear the Lord doesn't mean, ah, I'm scared of God, right? The fear of the Lord means the awe, the reverence, the respect for God. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Think about that just for a moment. For Christ's love compels us. What God has done in our lives, the way God has transformed us by his grace through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, compels us, moves us forward. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We should no longer live for ourselves. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I gotta stop right there just for a second. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. You you see, as believers, we look at people differently. You know, the world looks at people from a worldly point of view, right? The world looks at people and judges people. The world looks at people and compares themselves to, oh man, look how much money they have, look at what kind of car they drive, look at what kind of clothes they wear, look at where they live, and all of a sudden, we can come back to this worldly point of view. And, and the apostle Paul is going, no, 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 no. We don't look at people with a worldly point of view. We look at people and see that they are eternal. We look at people and see that they matter to God, that God has a plan and a purpose for them, just like God has a plan and a purpose for us. Mother Teresa said, we don't have time to judge people if we're busy loving people. <laughs> you know, and that's the call for us. And he keeps going, right? He says, hey, guys, listen, He says, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And then verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, exclamation point. I love exclamation points in the Bible, right? I mean, it's like Paul wants you to get this, wants me to get this. You are a new creation. As God draws you to himself and he invites you into this relationship with him, as you step over that line, as you're a follower of Christ, you are a new creation. And your goals and your objectives and your desires and your dreams should be different than the world. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, he says this, he says that you and I now, we have been given this gift of reconciliation. We become the hands and feet of Christ. As though God is making his appeal through us, we become a conduit of God's love, a conduit of God's grace, a conduit of the story of eternity. And that's God's call for you and for me. If you're a parent, or a grandparent, or aunt, or an uncle, listen, your number one responsibility is to be that message of reconciliation to your children, to your grandchildren, to the people around you. But for all of us as believers, as redeemed followers of Jesus, we have this call in our workplace, in our community, to be the ones that God is making his appeal through us. I think that is awesome. You know what it says? It says that you are Christ's ambassador. You know what an ambassador does? If you're the ambassador from the U.S. to France, do you go to France and all of a sudden say, wow, I like it over here, I'm gonna become French. You know, I'm just gonna kind of dive into this culture, I'm gonna kind of get into this deal. No, what do you do? You are the ambassador. People in France ought to look at you and say, hey, that's what America is. That's what the U.S. is. You represent your country. You and I, we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. People ought to look at us at our workplace and go, wow, that's what a Christian is. Yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's different. People all look at us in our home and our families, our extended families, our neighborhoods, they go, wow, wow, that's different. Look at them, they are ambassador for Christ. Jesus told his disciples before he ascends into heaven, right? He says, hey, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world that you and I become the hands and feet of Christ. And we should live in a way that people go, wow, that's incredible. There's a God of love and a God of grace and a God of hope. I want to know that God. If you turn over to Luke chapter 16, uh, Jesus told an incredible, incredible story about eternity. And it's really powerful. And you read it and you just go, wow, look at this in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus said, these are Jesus' words. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now, it's not a sin to be rich, you know. I mean, there's some rich people in the Bible. Uh, A lot of us, just by virtue of where we live, man, we would fall into that rich category compared to the rest of the world. But Jesus was very clear that if you're rich, sometimes wealth can become your God. Sometimes you can live for the things of the world and that becomes your God. And and, and so here's this rich guy and and wealth obviously became his God. And it says in verse 20, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So you got this rich guy, right? Then you got this beggar who's right outside of his house and the beggar's longing to eat the crumbs from the rich man's table. And it never says the rich man ever shared. Never says the rich man did anything for this beggar. Never did anything to share. He had been blessed, but he wasn't a blessing to others. It says, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Where's that? Heaven, right? The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. So here's Jesus talking and Jesus says, you know what, these guys both died and the the beggar Lazarus, he goes to heaven. But what does it say about the rich man? It says he goes here, he went to hell. This is Jesus talking and he says, man, this is a place of eternal torment. This guy is here, and he calls out because he can see into heaven. And he calls out, you know, Father Abraham, you know, get Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger into to come and to bring comfort to me. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And so he says, guys, there's a big chasm here. And, And this is eternity right here at Set. Now notice the rich man's response. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come also to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Notice how all of a sudden this guy's attitude said, but what about the people on earth? What about the people I love? What about those? Please, please, please. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Who's that? Jesus. But this rich man immediately went to thinking about his loved ones, went to thinking about people. Oh, I want them to know. I want them to know about eternity. I want them to understand this. And you and I just understand that we've got 70, 80, 90, 100 years, but what God has done in our hearts and our lives, and God says it's not just for you. You share the good news. You let people know. You tell them about me. It's our call. It's responsibility. Now, it's pretty awesome when you read through, uh, if you go into the book of Hebrews, it says that people in heaven, I believe, are looking down here. It says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And these witnesses are cheering us on. And what's awesome to think about for me is this, is that the people that I've loved who've gone on before me, (laughs) I can picture them, right? My grandparents or great-grandparents as I hear stories about how they love the Lord and how they... Walked with the Lord, or people who have stood even here and done funerals for people. And I think about my friends and others who've, who've gone on that they're up there cheering us on and they're saying, Hey guys, listen, invest in what's going to last. Invest in what's going to last. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You are surrounded by people who love you and are cheering you on to share the message of hope and to share the message of eternity. But we get this chance, this opportunity now. And here's number four. Number four, if you're taking notes, is this. It's Christ is the door to heaven. Christ is the door to heaven. The chapter closes in this verse and it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that say? What does that say? It says that God sent his one only son, Jesus, here. And Jesus lived 33 sinless years. God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, right? We've all sinned, we've all blown it. The Bible says we've all fallen short and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The price has to be paid. And Jesus came and God made him who knew no sin to be sin. and He died on a cross for you and for me and and then he conquered death, he rose again. And when you and I respond to the grace of God as God invites us into this relationship with him, God covers us with the blood of Christ. And when God looks at you and he looks at me, no longer does he see the sin and the hurt and the pain and the mistakes that we've made. What does he see? He sees Jesus. He sees righteousness. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And what does he say? (laughs) Enter in. Christ is the door. Christ is the door to heaven, and maybe you're here today, bad man, you thought, you know, it's about being in church. Well, I'm glad you're here, but it's not, you know? Maybe today you thought, man, it's about having a great family. Well, that's important, but it's not. You know what it is? It's about having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's that Christ came and gave his life for you and for me. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now, here's the fact. Heaven is not our default destination. <laughs> It's not our default. It doesn't matter. Right. As soon as you die, you immediately go there. There comes a time in every one of our lives where we have to respond to the grace offered to us because there are two doors, right? There is heaven and there is also hell. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about hell. He says, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of scripture and specifically of our Lord's own words. It has always been held by Christendom and it has the full support of reason. <laughs> There's a place. And yet God has gone to prepare a place for you and for me. Has there been a time in your life when you've said yes to Christ? Has there Has been a time in your life when you said yes, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna live my life for his name and for his glory because this life in this world, it's not all that there is. There were these two men who were best friends and one of them was going on a trip and they walked to the ship and one of them stood on the dock as the other one went down the steps and he boarded this huge ship and he went down in the bottom of the deck of the ship and then he appeared back on the top on the deck and he looked at his friend and he was waving to his friend and his friend stood on the shore with tears in his eyes and he waved as the ship pulled out of the port and the ship was going and it was getting smaller and smaller and his friend kept waving and the best friend on the dock just kept crying and waving but as the ship got to the horizon it got smaller and smaller and smaller until it was gone but was it really gone? are there not people on the other shore saying welcome welcome we're glad you're here and the Bible makes it so clear that those who have fallen asleep right that's what the Bible says about death if you're a believer in Christ. That those who have fallen asleep, there is new life. That there are people on another shore saying, welcome, welcome, welcome. Here's what Dwight L. Moody said. He said, hey guys, listen, soon you will read in the newspaper that I'm dead. Don't believe it for a moment. Because at that time, I will be more alive than ever before. On his deathbed, he looked up, he said, earth recedes and heaven recedes opens before me wow there's a god who wants you to know who wants me to know that the best is still to come even in our lives that we were made for more than this so where are you today has it been a time that you've said yes to god yes yes not your parents faith not your church's faith not your friends faith not we you personal god made him who knew no sin to be sin for us personal Maybe today, as you look at your life and just say, man, I've been aiming for the world. I've been aiming for the earth. My life has all been about how much money I can make or how successful I can be or what kind of car I can drive. But but today, listen, I understand there's something more. There's eternity. Maybe today is a day when you just go, whoa, wow. God's given me this ministry of reconciliation. I need to have some spiritual conversations. I talk with my kids about a lot of things. I talk with my friends about a lot of things. I talk with my family about a lot of things. But there's things that matter that are eternal. Am I having spiritual conversations? I don't know where you are today, but I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment right here, right now. And right now, in this moment, just between you and God, would you just be honest? See, it's not an accident at all that God has brought you here today. God is drawing you to His heart. Has there been a time in your life when you've said, Yes, yes, I want to follow Christ? Yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If not, why not today? Let today be a day of salvation. Let today be a day of grace and mercy and love. Right where you sit, just say, God, I need you in my life. I've been trying to live life by myself. God, forgive me for the mistakes I've made. And God, I want to live my life for you. I receive Jesus. I love Jesus. Maybe for you today, as you just take an inventory of your life, are you living for the things that are to come? Are you living for just the here and now? What dominates your thoughts? Where's your treasure? Maybe today, God's put somebody on your heart. And God's calling you to have a spiritual conversation and and honestly, you're scared. You're just like, oh God, I don't want to talk about it. And God's just going, I'm with you. I've called you, I've placed you in their lives for a reason. Share my love, share my grace. So Father God, here we are. Men and women longing for you. We want to make it our goal to please you, God. And to know you. I pray right now for those, Father, who maybe have been far away from you in their life, and God, that you would draw them close, that today would be a day of salvation. I pray boldly, God, that they would ask and receive, seek and find, knock and watch as the doors open. Father, I pray also for for all of us, God, it's so easy to get caught up in this world, it's so easy to get caught up in the culture and to view people from a worldly point of view. I pray today that you would change our minds and our hearts. And that we would invest in eternity. And I pray today, Father, God, as you make your appeal through us, that we would be people of love and grace and people who represent Christ. Jesus, we feel you here. We know you're here right now at this moment. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us and conquering death and making a way for us in eternity. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen. Hey friends, after the service, I'm gonna be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. If you wanna talk with somebody, you wanna pray with somebody, please. That's what today's about. If you wanna be confident, man, I wanna know that I know, yes. Come talk, we'd love to talk with you. If you have spiritual questions, that's what church is for. Don't just go through the motions. Talk about what God's doing for eternity. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back to God, a chance for us to invest in his kingdom as well. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask for you is is that you would fill out that communication card and we could follow up with you, tell you what God's doing in and through his church and ways to get involved. On the back of that communication card is a place for prayer requests. So if we can join in praying with you or for you, just write that out. God is at work and God is doing a great thing in your life and God has a great plan for you. Father, thanks for a chance to give back. Thank you, Father, for a chance to invest for your name and for your glory. God, we love you so much. Give us a a desire to know you more. Give us a desire to grow deeper in our faith. Give us a desire, Father, to invest in things that matter. Take what is given today. Bless it. Use it. Multiply it, Father. God, we can't even imagine how great heaven's gonna be. And the glory that's gonna be there is we are in your presence, fully known and fully loved. God, give us a longing for that day. Of while we are here, Father, use us in a way that brings glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen. Amen. Y'all feel free to sing along. Since life is over, I'll fly away to our own long-doubts, so let's feel sure. worship team. Way to go. That's exciting. It's CMA Fest. I mean, what do you expect? Just Nashville. Come on, you know. Oh, what a great, great day. It's awesome to see what God's doing in His church and Among Us Church. I'm so excited. I had a great time being at camp with many of our students and children. Way to go, guys. It was awesome. It's a great week. You'll hear more next week about it, but God's doing something special. Preschool, children, students, it's just so exciting. Don't forget, next week, Father's Day, hint, hint. So just reminding you, it's going to be an awesome day. Come and let's worship our Heavenly Father next week. Don't miss it. Father, thanks for today. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Send us out as people who are redeemed and people who are in love with you. Father, thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we go to live it out. Amen, amen. Blessings on your day. Have a great week.